0: This is Woods, and you're listening to the Fly Fidelity Podcast. Welcome if you got them. First, First I, I say, say, what we're going to do. do. Then, then you say, say, I don't know what do you want to do. What we're going to do, what you
1: want to do. I have an idea. You're going to dig this. The Fly Fidelity Podcast is the, the solution. solution. It's the, the best. best. Check it out. You want to get super flat, flat?
2: Details just ahead. Do you love credible
1: content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants Super Thick and Frothy Dumpster Juice with rat corpses in it. There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly 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 Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby, fidelity.
2: With your host, Luke Bailey. Credible content for incredible times. This week, we welcome back the ever prolific and boundary pushing Billy Woods to talk about some of his most complex ideas that he's had to tackle on an album yet. Unique, abrasive, ambitious, and powerful, we'll be discussing the engaging and visionary AFIOPs as well as the future. Where we at?
1: The Ray shot his uncle for beating his mom. Beat the case, started 11th grade like nothing was wrong. A few classmates made the news. Police pursuits. Reg flew off the dirt bike like a carton of eggs. Came back stuttering with the limp and a dent in his head. Beautiful dreams he said he had when he was dead. Twice on the table. On the bright side, they only gave him house arrest once they seen me disabled. Good some couldn't wait to kick their kids out. Others had to do it for a gang shot up the house. And he used to lock a little brother in his room and we fuck on the couch. Doggy, she didn't like to kiss on the mouth. Switch schools, the rumors was getting loud. Men hate women, make up lies and spread them around. I grew up on the line between north and south. I-952 95 airports, triangular trade routes. Everything we say mispronounced, flipped and bounced. Use the wrong word on the phone, some cards are switch now. Superstitious. Cut my face out the pictures. Apartment complexes. be bump for the stick-ups. Everything's smooth, but the gun just hiccup. Central American Uber mentions in the bed of a pickup. Building prefab duplexes. Human traffic like Department of Corrections.
2: God the savages. Can you share any standout memories as a growing period living between D.C. and Zambuabwe in New York that contribute to clarity to the themes and ideas on aphiops?
0: Um... I think that, uh, well, that's a big question. I mean, I think that my life as um, a person traveling, I guess, the African diaspora backwards a bit um, uh, and passing between them uh, really is the underpinning of a lot of the experiences and ideas that are being examined by Alma. I don't know. That sounds really general, but that's a big question. So yeah, and I appreciate think that. Exactly what you're, what you're exactly what you're looking for. I mean, I think that um, that experience leads to all sorts of uh, questions and interrogations of ideas of identity, of culture, of oh. blackness, of the diaspora, of um, you know, uh, colonialism, and the metropole and 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 then again of whiteness and of europe because africa is created as a a mirror side of you know it's european who, to, to some extent come up with the idea of a place called africa but then on the other hand there is some idea of shared culture that is real you know and where do those ideas intersect and how do they impact
2: each other well, let's talk about the opening track, Asylum, which for the most part takes place in Africa. You're weaving, of course, between the 70s throughout, you know, you're talking about some pretty notorious political figures and some details. How do you strike...
0: Not the 70s, because then it would have still been Rhodesia. Ah, um, okay. So you're thinking more than the 1980s, 1990s.
2: Right. Early 1990s. So... How do you strike a balance between those small details and this bigger picture, and remove that filter between yourself and the audience?
0: Huh. Um, well, you need an idea for a song, you know, and so sometimes it's. Uh, here's what I'll say: is I think that once I really start working on a project, or some of the ideas start to become clear, I really. Am very much caught up in the grips of the idea and so just during the day or all the time a lot of my creative energy gets directed into whatever I'm working on um and uh and so that was a story that was just sort of in there and once working on this project it came out in its particular form mm. um, now I'm not sure if that really answers your question um if it's about how do I make, are you also asking me how how that story, how I come up with that idea to be part of the whole, maybe a little clarity on that one part would help me.
2: You could address that side of it as well, of course, but more, more than that, I was asking about that balance between, like I say, the smaller details and this bigger narrative on this project.
0: Oh, well, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think when you're doing, you focus on the task at hand, you know? Like, is that story good? Have you made a good, you know, we made a good block to put in the wall that eventually you're going to step back from and look at the big picture? But in the meantime, you have to worry about, you know, painting that one section or, um, or shooting a scene in a film, you know? One good scene is not going to make a good movie, but uh, it'll be hard to have a great film without any great scenes. But first you shoot the scenes, then you see where they they fit into your movie. Um, But that one was a little bit further into the process, so a little bit more of a sense of, okay, what can I do um, that's going to fit into here, or what stories, and then that story... It's in there already, so it's just kind of, oh, okay, maybe this, maybe that, and you write it. Because I don't always know where it's going its entirety. Most of the time, it's just you have an idea, you have a feeling. Maybe you have some story that's in there that hasn't really found its way out. And then as you, oh, maybe this will work here, you don't necessarily know where it's going to end up.
2: A lot of it is instinctual for that reason.
0: Well, you know... I don't am not always writing a story knowing what the end is. Of course. You know, uh sometimes you are but like a song like Zulu Tolstoy on uh Today I Wrote Nothing, for example, I right. I I had the idea, okay, this level of writer writing a writer song about a rapper writing a song about a rapper, you know. Um uh, but I didn't know where it was gonna end. I, I had to be writing it and then it went. And there's sometimes you start doing something and you know what the end is, but not a lot for me. I might mean, know what the emotions involved in, I don't know how I'm gonna get there for that.
1: I think Mengistu highlight Miriam is my neighbor. Whoever it is, moved in and put an automated gate up. Repainted brick walls atop which now cameras rotated. By eight the place dark, one light burned later. Raised wide like a slinky rumor is Paul bomb took the secretary right eye and pinky Evenings he take a sniff of whiskey on the veranda i wonder what he's thinking in the morning the maid brings coffee from the kitchen some nice strange music plays i lay in bed and listen downstairs i hear my mother breaking dishes my father tripping it's been quite bad lately high tension galvanized steel security fencing to get through the day give myself a mission Anything will get me out the house mm-hmm. a blessing His bodyguard choose cat spits black in the rhododendron mm-hmm. Blackout out range rumble when he start the engine Avocado tree hang over the property mm-hmm. line I watch from his eyes I can climb The dog looks up and whines The hills mm-hmm. are alive with landmines I live in my mind Not sure what I'm looking for but I'll know mm-hmm. what I find My mother sent the gardener to look for me but the sky is a great place to hide <laughs> Never told the truth in your life, can't start now, ever so
2: slowly, slowly locked up in your- Speaking of stories, what was it like experiencing the other side of Zimbabwe, post-colonial period, at a time when most, you know, pro-democracy activists were writers committed to this political change and transformation? It's also a time you start to sink your teeth into creative writing at what you've described in the past as a very British private school. What was that like, those times, writing creatively?
0: Um, I, you know, that was all that uh, I read a lot as a kid. We read a lot in my family. And, you know, as a little kid, I was a mom. us gave a lot of challenging questions stuff. Um, so that was just kind of the environment. So uh, being creative was something that was encouraged. And writing was something that I was pretty good at. So mm-hmm. as far as in school, it was just um, one of the part of like English class, I guess, you know, was, was be, be my having an assignment to write a story, which was great for me because I was good at it. <laughs> I was not the most studious child. So, you know, been, been, um, but I just it was no different from a lot of other. So it was different because I was good at it, but a lot of other creative endeavors like that Used to read comic books a lot as a kid and draw do nice. um, uh, you was know, just imagine as a kid you know go see karate kid in the movie theaters and then come home and start you know uh, what blood sport i guess was the one after that we made our own like karate tournament. you know you had to um Life was both easy and difficult there in certain ways, but as children, I think we had a lot of time to uh, to play and use our imagination and do
1: shit, so. Black astronaut, cop spatial and jet off my steps. Challenge and launch, burning bright, burning death. Burning the firmament, tall boy who catch the hit. Black boy burn crisp, purse, black lips, black marionettes, dance limp over the pit. The kindy one's distant as the winter sun A mad woman whistling, you can hear it if you listen That's that empty pipe hissing That's him crying and twitching That's the vanishing point in the distance Between us, just the glass thickness Cracked mirrors, flash rictus Skin pulled tight to the skull, that's the sickness Seeping through my leaking windows and broke fixtures Guess who in the vestibule like You can't smoke that hair, mister?
0: There was the inherent political situation in the country, which I was a little kid, but also due to my family situation I was aware of. Also, you're only so aware, especially at those times. So you know there are situations that you live through with one understanding and come to a different understanding of later on. You know there was a a, a period of near civil war domestic unrest, the suppression of dissidents, a lot of names. um, And living through it felt one way, and reading and understanding and contextualizing it now is a little different. Mm -hmm. So
3: um, uh,
0: you can live through a situation which um, at
3: the time... Was kind
0: of portrayed as an accident by uh, imperialist forces with local collaborators to sort of undo the victories that had been won in turning Rhodesia into Mozambique. And now looking at it in retrospect, uh, it's something closer
3: to. Uh, uh,
0: act of uh, uh, state-sponsored terror in response to perceived threats um, and ethnic violence mm-hmm. and a period of uh, of uh, largely violence much of it directed by the states against a particular minority ethnicity in Zimbabwe. Um, it's a more complicated picture, you know, uh, of course. in retrospect. Um, yeah, living through oh, what's, what I'm talking about at that time, it was kind of scary and worrisome, but I didn't, in retrospect,
3: realize uh, it was,
0: um It was a lot more scary and terrible for other people and the whole thing was happening for reasons beyond what you understood at the time um but uh i don't know it was it was also it was an interesting time to grow up and be into both of those things um you know it was interesting to grow up in an environment and later that i realized was a lot you know I did have the benefit of seeing black people in positions of power at a young age, um, however well or however poorly they may have handled those responsibilities. I did have, um, uh, and at the same time as a lot of the like movies and stuff we watched, nonetheless, were American movies and stuff like that, so which had this sort of inbuilt. Western chauvinism in them. Um,
3: But it also was a bit different because
0: I didn't live in America. So, you know, I didn't... um. Interesting to think about uh, because, you know, I grew up on very, a lot of American movies, even when we were living there, American TV, and I've been born here and consider myself an American. Uh, And so it is weird to think back and all the movies that you watched where I, or or the the movies of your, a lot of the movies of your childhood that are signature movies are completely white, for example, you know, like The Breakfast Mm -hmm. Club. You know, and it was just, that was how movies were. You didn't necessarily have the expectation of seeing yourself but at the same time, it was, you know, Eddie Murphy was a huge star, things like that. But then in my day to day life, I, I, you know, I, I grew up in a very sort of you know, black socialist, Marxist um,
3: outlook in my family. And,
0: uh, um, you know, and, and also it's an interesting thing to, have the opportunity to uh, be part of um, living somewhere that's so new or so young, you know, Zimbabwe right after the revolution was an interesting moment. I can imagine those first 10 years, those first 10 years of his life are um, full of both wonders and horrors and, uh, and, uh, it's interesting and rare I realized to be able to experience that you know and then I also don't want to leave out that then there were totally different experiences in Jamaica and different experiences in the U.S. before leaving and also we go back every year and so I have different also experiencing these other places coming from somewhere else you know Um, it's a different thing to go to the United States as a visitor even though I was an American you know what I mean Um, It's an interesting thing to experience culture, even your own culture from the outside, which is also rare. A lot of times people don't have the opportunity to do that, um, which I think has its own values.
2: There's so much intention behind these lyrics in these songs. And I was wondering how much of that writing was approached with this intent to either freeze or shatter time, as well as as a way to help people understand these older concepts, new meanings and deconstruct history.
0: Um, A lot of intent, I think, is put into the aspect of. um, uh, The bending of time and histories, either, yeah, to freeze in moments or to run together at other moments. Um, I think that 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 was very intentional and uh, it it is something that I think is part of the fabric of the work. Uh, The now, the present and the past and the spaces in between and the imagined past as well. Mm. You know, um, what does it mean when a Rastafarian talks about Ethiopia? What does it mean when an Ethiopian exile talks about Ethiopia? And what does it mean when an Ethiopian in Ethiopia talks about Ethiopia? And what does it mean, frankly, when an Italian person talks about Ethiopia? Mm. You know, um, what does it mean for somebody who grew up in the 1980s when it was like Ethiopia was synonymous with certain ideas? Ethiopia has always been synonymous with and laden with, freighted with, uh, the weight of a lot of other ideas, um, and I, I think that that's interesting. You know, it was interesting to go to Jamaica and the. Rastafarian reaction to an idea of Africa
3: that I who lived in Africa didn't really necessarily recognize. Um, it was
0: uh it was interesting to um Come back to America and see. Um, at the time, how negatively Americans, which I expected, but black—I was surprised by black Americans' feelings uh, uh, towards Africa at that time, and how that, things like that caught me by surprise. I grew up in a very, you know, in an environment where I thought Pan-Africanism. Pan-Africanist thought, and so forth. Um, And again, you know, people's ideas, like I moved back here and, you know, people's ideas of that would, you know, kids would just be like, were you in a hut? Did you have clothes? You know, I was a city kid, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We would travel all over in Zimbabwe and I definitely spent nights and longer than nights in huts or in places without electricity, I grew up in a big, big ass house when we lived there in the city surrounded by embassies with a tennis court and like servants. Wow. Um, And then when we moved here, you know, living in a a two-bedroom apartment in suburban Washington, D.C. sort spring and uh, Two bedroom apartment with prefab wall to wall carpeting and
3: people were looking down and you know,
0: but like that was better than Africa in people's eyes. I, it was it was just an interesting experience, especially if you came in thinking, "Oh, people are going to be," and that's the other thing that's interesting is neither of these groups of people are interested. You know, neither in Jamaica where um not all Jamaicans are rockas, this is important, very few of them are. Mm. But I honestly didn't generally encounter much questions about or interest in my actual real experiences in Africa. So people had, you know, like rockas would talk to you about Africa, but they weren't necessarily interested in me talking about the actual africa and also here you know people would tell me about africa um or ask me about it in a way of already sort of imposing an idea on me like did you wear clothes or did you have running water like it's already certain ideas that people have whether positive or negative um oftentimes they don't want to be disturbed with your reality. or you know.
2: A lot of this, a lot of this album is you breaking those perceptions, isn't it? And I was wondering if you could speak to the first time experimenting with the idea that the audience isn't a listener, but rather a participant within your work. you mentioned ideas. When do you first experiment with that idea that the audience is a participant?
0: I don't know if I ever consciously did that. It's just, you know, you were,
2: uh, it just happens naturally. As a part of
0: writing and creating right. and challenging yourself to do things. And, um, one hopes challenging your audience, you know, I, I wouldn't, not really looking to be a person who makes music that just like everything I do is great. And I don't know, I I, I'm, I don't mean artistically, I just mean like, uh, I would hope that my music at times elevates people, at times makes them question themselves and their assumptions. I'm mm. um, not really trying to make music where you just pat yourself on the back. You, the audience, not even me, the rapper. Right, right it's like everything that I know that lots of people in my audience may think. I'm not a contrarian. I'm not going to be making songs or spreading out ideas just to be different. You know, I deserve a status quo. I'm not a you know. Um, but I don't feel like I want to make music that just makes everybody comfortable. Although there's a place for music like that. It's very, you know, the artists who I like to listen to, and part of it is comfortable, and feels good. You know? But that's just not, I don't think that's where my strengths lie or what. I think I, it's a palette of emotions and energies I'm trying to bring to the table usually.
2: If you are still listening to this episode and enjoying the podcast, why not become a patron of Fly Fidelity? at patreon.com slash flyfidelity Becoming a patron means you are directly supporting our show and helping us to create a new episode each and every week. It also means that as a thank you for being a super supporter, you'll be able to access exclusive content to you including Patreon updates offers and discounts, a monthly secret podcast, early access and so much more You've said that these songs were some of the more complex group of ideas that you've had to tackle for an album, that navigating a cohesion for this project was challenging. How do you think the state of the world, when you were making it, how do you think it challenged the sharpness of your senses in the space between endings and new beginnings?
0: Um, hmm. You know, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, certainly... Almost entirely done through the and during the pan, height of the pan, uh, during the pandemic um or oh, there were a couple songs done before that um oh wait 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 I'm not sure if it were either way album done the vast vast majority of it during the pandemic. But I'm not sure those are good questions of how much you're that's what you're asking about? Yeah. Um
3: I well, good question. I don't know. I didn't
0: um I don't know, because part of me wonders if maybe less going on led me left me with more time and room to interiorized work? I don't know. That's a good question.
2: So, off the back of that, I'm curious, is is there a specific song that you think best defines Atheops? And a song from the album, we're making it, you were put in a middle space of trying to find out where the album existed thematically. It didn't always sound like this in the beginning, did it? Originally, it was going to be an EP.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and like I said, this is an album where you're finding a little bit of okay, what is it going to sound like? Um, what am I? What am I going to do? Um, hmm. here, so, what you're asking is a a, 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 a a song, which after making it, really pointed out the direction in which it would eventually go.
3: Um.
0: Um. That's tough because there's one thing I'd say, maybe asylum, and I say that because I hope I'm not getting my timelines wrong. But I know it was after that song that. Uh, oh, hold on! You know what the tough part is? Is that all? What I really know is after the title was settled on, mm. that's when. Frazz was like, I'm going to get more into my Ethiopian bag after after the title. You know what? I'm going to look something up. Uh, it, it, a lot of the communication was not by email. So um, I will say either way, Though I'm unsure if it came I think the title had already come before that, and that's why he sent me that type of beat. But main point is, once Asylum was done, I felt, um, I was like, okay. Um, that That was one where it was like, all right, this is crazy. And the funny thing is that there's a different version that at first, Prez was like, oh man, you gotta keep the first version really i did a demo and then i was like i'm gonna re-record it i don't remember where where i re-recorded it um but at first he liked the demo version i haven't listened to it in a long time so maybe he's right but you gotta be careful not to get demo itis
2: (laughs) does that happen is that a fin for you
0: of course For, for i think a lot of artists would be like because you can fall in love with the demo and then, but the flip side can happen. Sometimes you could be doing a bunch of stuff and then later you're like, man, you should have just kept the demo. Right. Like, yeah, maybe the, maybe the recording quality wasn't as good. Maybe you you, you mispronounced that one word, but the energy and other under intangible things were just so right that it's, it's just better. Sometimes for reasons that can't just be calculated, easily calculated
2: where do you think you've grown the most as an artist over the duration of making this project?
0: Um, I think I learned both in, well, there's ways as an artist and that are very straightforward just in the making the work. And then there are other things about organizations, what projects to do, what not to do, what assumptions to make uh, that I think i learned from doing this.
3: Um, Uh, And
0: then as an artist, um, there's some some difficult concepts in writing here. So definitely feeling like, all right, you can, sometimes you want to tackle, and you're like, how can I do this while not turning it into a fucking dissertation? Right. Um, And also being able to actually do justice to some complex ideas. I'm trying to just get out here and um, and do whatever. So um, being able to do that and see it through is encouraging, of course.
1: palm oil out here. King of all blacks, I ain't human hearts. I let things fall apart. Motor cars rusted in the garage. Brennan wild in the yard. Vines climbing burglar bars. The moon fell in, on guards, full of stars. I swam in the dark. Sun fled, moon large. Fire leaf from Perry's black heart. Slash and burn the past never far Reaching with chopped arms, locked hands, no spare parts The band play those were the days I watched them hang I hate red red in the stadium stands From crumbling balustrades. I watched them dance Like drill rappers
2: Did many of the lyrics change and evolve over the course of making this based on Preservation's incredible transitions?
0: Well, what are we talking about here, Vivian? Samples or musical
2: transitions? The musical transitions.
0: Um, no, because a lot of those came later. Um, there are places where something would be done as part of a process, like Harlem, you know, he and I worked on that together and how it changes and goes to that crazy piano beat and all of that stuff. But some of the movements between songs are post-production, just him figuring stuff out and slipping right. in there and making things happen.
2: Did you hear Harlem and think automatically, you know, I got to get Fatboy Sharif on this and knowing his approach to structure?
0: No. Um, recorded the first part of Harlem. I sat on it for a little while, really liking it, but feeling like there's something more I can do with it. But I felt like needed to go somewhere else sonically to go somewhere else in terms of an idea, because the idea and had kind of been kind of run through this whole bunch of really complex overarching at least for me as a writer, what I was trying to do with the first half of that song and the whole space odyssey aspect and talking about the house and stuff. But just a whole bunch of things. And so thinking, where can this go, you know, cause it was, also wasn't that long. And then I heard that there's something, I heard some other music and was like, Prez, I want to do XYZ. And I was like, I'm actually going to just take it to the studio and just do it and then I'll give it to you. And you can make the two pieces, you know, we can get them together, we can figure it out. And he was like, okay. So I took this idea I had, I found this music, took this idea, I went to the studio, worked with Dove, set it up, and he was already there with Fat Boy Sharif, who he was working on his own thing with, and um, when I was actually set it up, I was just listening to it, and I was like, Sharif, oh, would, you, would you rap on this? Mm-hmm. And you know him, he's just trying to get it where he's always trying to get something cracking, so he was like, sure, and I was like, but like now, like. Yeah. You know, right, now, <laughs> right like now i wrote my verse to, i had just written my verse that day that morning so i was like dope yeah write your shit and, well, let's, let's go see what you think and that's how
2: yeah that's how it happened amazing amazing can you remember your first time hearing a beat for heavy water and, and what was it like sharing a creative space with indelible mcs
0: um well the first part i definitely do remember that song fit more into the mold of one of the things we talked about, like doing originally at the beginning, um, just more of a bomb squad type feel. And um, I was like, all right, cool. I was, I was fucking with it, but I was like, exactly what am I going to do here? And then I don't remember. I feel like we discussed people we could collaborate with and Bruin came up and then I was, can't remember which one of us suggested heavy water, but it kind of felt like, yeah, okay, let's send that to him. We sent him a few things and he picked that. And so then that was a go, right? right. Um, and uh from there, it was like, okay, or if at least we did our, but we wanted to do a back and forth. So I, I did something, we did something, I did something while he was working on something, Prez was like, yo, we could get an LP because he knew somebody, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, of course I'd be down. And, um, and I was like, give, you know, Prez was like, we should give him this song because obviously have a reason to be on it. And, um, that's what happened. Oh, and so then LP, you know, kind of, by the time he showed up, uh, by the time he was ready to go, because he said yes immediately, but he was like, "I got to do X, Y, and Z first, of course." We're okay. like, "Of course, <laughs> you're a busy man. Do whatever you need to do." And um, by the time he came back, the verses we, we me and Bree, Breeze had four verses down, but I was like, "Let's switch up the order a little bit." And so, talked to Al, told him we're switching up the order, and then I was also like. Um, that is one where the the writing was done to the transition. Cause I heard how the, he had the beat and I was like, let me rewrite my second verse and let's move out. So he's in between here and here. I'm going to rewrite the end piece. Um, and that, that came how it went. So that, that part, that part is definitely one of those songs where I saw a presence doing and responded by changing my verse up to make it the end piece.
1: Yeah, time to be bold. Screaming in a demon trio, knowing that the native is the way to see our people as if through a peephole. That the evil stay trying to keep close. Shit is all but regardless, the God is giving cheat codes. Not to cheating on some people's. That's the fuck the fame with us lust, shame not adjust the game devos. Nick a time, kick a bomb, tell him we.
2: What does Breeze teach you about structure? Just coming up, you know, as a student of sorts, of his craft, what did you learn from Breeze? I mean, you
0: can't, I I don't, I mean, I learned that he, I learned, I saw what he was doing, but you can't just like do it. You know, it's kind of, I don't know. What did you learn from Hakeem Olajuwon about playing center? Yeah, you see it and you try to work on your own footwork and spin moves and stuff, but I mean, If it was just something you could just go out and learn, and then everybody would do it, you know, uh, it's it's a few people. But the structures that when I first started to uh, first became aware of, reason, really studying how Iran, one of the things that stuck out to me was how he would have he would have a verse, a line that ends seemingly, and then the next word. Following line alters the meaning of the previous one. Mm. So, uh, um, that's right. Uh, now, of course, I'm gonna blank out. um yeah, uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Your verse be still intensely showing you got love for the game. Maybe if you play playing tennis because you missed the men, it's wicked crazy, hard to listen to because at first it's like, oh, it's wicked crazy hard to listen to without my finger flying to the fast forward button because your feeble ass flow ain't nothing new you know and just how he would he would break it up so that misdirections essentially um I thought that shit was really ill
2: yeah yeah one of a kind true original yeah
0: for sure
1: Money went same as it came. Money spent, it was all pocket change. End of the day, day traders make minimum wage. Pennies on the dollar once it's all set and paid. Penny stock, stocking cap pulled over the face. Out of habit, the president's facing the same way. Somebody made a killing, I just dug the grave. Capital gains and gains. Gim the indictment for old cold names. Lil Sambo grinning on a can of pomade. Dueling banjos open the stock exchange. Paper chasing it hard to stay on the same page. No hard feelings to turn a phrase. Twain adapted for the stage. A lifetime in the game. Now the league folding. Contracts voided. Muhammad Atta flying the ointment. It's hot on these streets, Miss I might shoot an Arab. If it's hot on the beach, the plug just jet to Paris.
2: What's the story behind the joint with Despot?
0: Well, I've known him for a long time. I've known him for a long time. Not as long as some. Um, And so, honestly, well, he had been supposed to be on Aram. I'd hollered at him about being on that. and He was like, yeah, I'm down. I was like, cool, finally get this Despot verse. Then he had some whole other shit happen in his life and had to ask for more time. And by the time he came back to it, the song he had been slated to be on had become Indian Summer and it felt done. And so we were like, oh, we kind of, it's a wrap. But then I bumped, next two times or something, I bumped it. When I bumped into him, he'd just be like, man, I should have rapped on that. I fucked up. So I was like, well, let's do another song. I'm a big fan of this dude. So it's funny because you brought him up after Bruin. I think the closest somebody continuation of Bruin style with added his own added, They're such different people that it's not like biting or anything like that, but I'm just talking about stylistically, you know, the way that Nas and Rakim are connected. Right. It's similar to how to me, um, that spot and Breezy Bruin are connected. Like, he's one of those people who is actually able to take that style, have that type of level of breath control and like dry wit. But the punchlines sort of like stuck in there. This the jazz. It's not like Bruin has so many lines, but he doesn't like, he actually he rolls over them sometimes. Instead of standing on them, you know what I mean. Mm. So the punchline kind of just slips in, like a Mayweather, Mayweather two jabs. And you're like, ah, I didn't even realize I got hit there because it's like he's still moving, and you you know that jab is working in in between bars, and it doesn't have to be at the end. You know what I mean?
2: Anyway, That's a great way of describing it.
0: Yeah, it's moving, it's moving, and the things are in there. So you're like, oh shit, but um, and I feel like, uh, anyway, so fan of death Spots, uh, we've been supposed to do something for Rob. Didn't happen. Got at him with this. Sent him some beats to choose from. He chose that one. And then lo and behold, amazingly got the verse. Um, and then he actually came out and performed that, that rooftop show in New York, So that was real special. Cause Bruin was there. Quite like Chris was there. Um, Lucy was there,
2: uh, Sharif was there, it was a cool experience. Nice, nice. I listen to these collaborations and everybody seems to be tapped in, in, into their own chambers that work so well as a supporting cast within this universe, within this narrative we've been talking about. Were there any films that you had to guess watch as references in order to be able to establish a shared language between yourselves? Um,
0: it's funny you say that because I was, my first thought is no, but then I realized I did tell him when I did, uh, and that may also, Wars may be a pivotal, a pivotal song as well. Um, I just felt good right away. Um, and I was like, we need to find a sample from this movie um
3: uh, the documentary
0: now um uh, cannibal tour and so I started talking about this documentary I'd seen in college and Prez was like wait what like documentaries and weird were just, so he just he was like oh really and then he just went and um and wrote it and and found it and watched as far as I know he watched the whole thing
1: Waves on wharves, war washed. Never broke again. What he said on the farm. Next day they was gone. Back by nightfall and swung in the morn. Hung by daylight. The day was long. Sweet water out with the dippers. Salt to the mouth of a river. Mangrove thickets. Man's soul was broken. Mirrors. False witness. Wolf tickets. Nowadays scavengers come before the wolf finished. Teeth bare. Bristling. They not scared. Something different. The huts was empty. Cold. Still warm in the kitchen tours They came on all fours, border eyes like jaws, bones litter the beach nod. Crack meat out the beast claws. Cannibal tours,
0: they came on all fours, bore eyes like jaws, bones litter the beach nod. Back in the early two thousands, uh I'm working with this cat bond who's actually supposed to come through here. Um I was on his couch when nine eleven happened. I was still looking for an apartment here. I lived here and then moved back to B C and then come back. And um anyway, he was somebody I knew and also he lived with this other cat who I started doing music with, who made beats and rap. And me and him were kind of the ones who were gonna make do the thing together. But um Bond is just Super artistic, always was into hip hop, um, but also crazy with graffiti. By right? he's just like an artistic guy, painter, and so um, he started borrowing his roommate's my friend's ASR. He started borrowing it. My friend went to, was, we both graduated, and then my friend went to graduate school, so he just didn't have that that much time.
3: And I also feel like um,
0: I also feel like he started to have uh, he just had a, he, he, I don't know if that's really the direction that he ultimately wanted or needed to go. But he was a talented producer in his own right. But Bond started to borrow one of his pieces of equipment from the ASR and mess with it more and more. And, um, you know, that we all knew about it because of the RZA and it's like the ASR 10, okay. So then I would come over and really end up working with Bond more than my old friend because Bond was just always there, making beats, da 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 and he would hook the sampler up to the TV, and um, he would just also pull samples off the of TV and do crazy shit with them, like very Mad Libyan, even though I uh, mm. barely probably knew who Mad Lib was at the time. Um, And uh, we ended up working together a lot. He he eventually just bought the ASR 10 off my first collaborator and my friend, Bill Gates, and he just started being the one who was making the beats. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, Hold on one second. That is not good. Okay. Um, And then, you know, it was like, okay, this is what we're doing. And me and him... Um, me and him started working together more and more. Anyway, uh, he had this TV and he would just leave it all the, on all the time, running through his sampler. And in the time after nine 11 it'd just be tuned into the news or different stuff, just taping all sorts of craziness, um, which you hear a lot of that stuff on camouflage, um, and uh the, these early mixtapes he did like golden gun and shit Classic. just kind of crazy genius guy um and so they're full of stuff just pulled out of the TV, leaving sampler plugged into the tv at all hours um and so one day he made the first tape like that he kind of made and like gave to me as a thing and i was like let's do something with this just in its own right because a lot of times he would just make beat He'd bring a beat CD and it would have samples and he'd just have already hooked up the beat CD that you're like picking beats from like that. And um, so he gave me this record called Eminent Domain and a lot of it was just arranged around, um, was kind of arranged around that idea to begin with. Hold on, give me a second, I gotta take the lead. So Bond gave me this Eminent Domain PD, he was like, this is just a little, it was like a little EP project he put together mostly of an instrumentals and samples. I think there was like one or two raps on it. I can't remember. And a lot of it was built around these samples from some African movie. And I'm like, what is this? And he just didn't even know. He was like, it came on PBS in the middle of the night and he just taped it. And then I was like, I've got to find this. I should be using this for my next album, whatever, whatever. Couldn't find out what movie it was. Always would think about it, especially if I ever listened to Eminent Domain or just saw the titles. Because I would see one of the songs is titled The Harvest, another one I can't remember. And I had like written down the name, you know, then eventually I found out the name of it. Um, and I would try to find it on YouTube or pirate it or anything, couldn't find it and I would forget about it, then I would remember and try to find it. And so maybe 10 years in or something, um, I found out a little bit more about it. And I can't remember when, when. some years after that I made a real effort to try to track down a copy, um, because I wanted to use it for some project that I was working on, and um, couldn't find a copy. And then um, later on, I was very close with uh, a first-generation uh, West-African-American wo- woman. She's from Uh Really, 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 really intelligent, creative person in her own right, filmmaker. Uh, and, um, and I, you know, she's a filmmaker. She's in the industry. She's West-African. I talked to her about this movie, Kanji's Harder. And she was like, I can't believe that this is just a lost movie because that's where I'd arrived at the point where it was just considered a lost movie. I couldn't find a copy of it anymore. Right. Um, and it was just considered a lost film. And uh, so, sometime later, probably maybe even a year later, my birthday, uh, this woman gave me a DVD of it. And she had reached out to the o, Ossie Davis had died, and she had, through whatever means she told me this whole search she'd been on, including reaching out to the Ossie Davis family foundation, wow, all these different things. Uh, and finally, she found a copy, I think, through the foundation, and they were like, "We'll send it to you and let you copy it, but you have to promise to send it back to." Us. She gave me this, then I one of the greatest presents. I uh, thank you, the line a wonderful person, and then, um, I just held on to it like, okay, I'm gonna use this when the right project comes along, and um and uh and then it did, so I was once we were doing Atheos, I told him I've got the perfect thing for almost all of this, just a few samples of blah, blah blah went along now, pizza. A week before the album drops. A week before the album drops. You know what happened? What happened? Because, okay, so let me actually just put you in my shoes first. I didn't even know this had happened. The album comes out, and immediately I see people being like, oh, talking about the album or or a reviewer reviewing the album and being like, it has clips from this movie. And in my mind, I thought it was going to be a crazy mystery. Because how would anyone know? A week or maybe two weeks before the album come out, I found out it, the movie was on Amazon for a dollar. Wow. Like stream streaming, streaming.
2: Wow. Seven days and prior. I found
0: that out because I was literally watching a review where somebody was like, hey, if you really want to get more insight into this album, you should go watch this movie. It's streaming on Amazon or you can find it on wherever. And I was flabbergasted. It. Unbelievable. So it, it, it's just crazy how life is, man. It was like this long road with um, some very personal turns in it. Like For a while, me and the person who gave me the movie didn't even like talk. And so it was especially meaningful when I used it, You know, even just to credit them. Um, because I still... Super love them for that and just for who they are. And um and yeah, then after all of that, it was like anybody could sample this anytime. I mean, I'm glad that I was still the first one who did it, but yeah, life's crazy, man. Exactly. Life's crazy. I thought it was gonna be this whole mystery, you know, and um I was really curious which of my diaspora fans was maybe be the first one to figure it out. And then it was like, Oh no, everybody.
1: Emotional affair is the best, intoxicating, let's not ruin it with sex, relationship doctor patient, cushion cake like LASIK, resting bitch face, breastplate Wonder Woman bracelets, you can shoot arrows all day kid, Heart sprawled in wet pavement, Ozymandias is the wavelength, here today, gone tomorrow. Sorrow, white rum in my sorrow. Something old, something new, something borrowed. Blue is stacked on oysters piled like Kilimanjaro. Cristini charred avocado, draped in lardo. Still got no quarrel with them vehicles Speak sepia tones, everyone I know is gone. No they put nails through arms. Temple grand and keep the cattle calm. Side saddle took carry to the palm. Joanne Chesamar, windows open, nights warm. Power cuts, no ice, so the Cuba Libre strong. Fire in the cane fields, generational trauma. At the museum, eyes glassy from the pain pills. Me and her in the Diorama. Sugar molasses rum.
2: Tell me about the album artwork, which comes from a time in Dutch art history people might not be aware of.:
0: um, Well, if I'm going to be honest, I just it was an idea I stole from my mother, being totally honest. My mother is a big fan of that painting, and um, has her own things that she's working on about it. And she has lots of them around the house of different sizes. Because she's working on this thing and she was talking about it a lot and the idea surrounding her idea. And I said, you know what, this is the perfect album cover for what I'm doing. And so I just took her idea. So.
2: Great idea. Great idea. Shout out some Mom Dukes. Oh,
0: yeah,
3: yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> so what's and next? I know good. you've got a... And I know you've got a couple of the projects that you were working on prior to this project coming out. What's next?
1: Um,
3: actually,
0: sequentially next. You know, I never have a lot of a lot of people. It's funny because people are like, "You're prolific, you do." And it's like, honestly, I never have more than one. If I have two projects finished at at the same time and not out that might've happened once in my whole life. Where sometimes you meet people and they're like, I have four or five or like joints to stash. I'm not, usually, usually I'm in the, usually I'm in the midst of working on one.
3: Um, And
0: uh, and yeah, I'd say that's the case now. There is one thing that's finished, um, a collaborative thing. and uh, it'll be out this year. Dope. I think it's interesting. I'm curious to see what people think of it. You know, as as is normal for me, it's very different from um, from Atheos.
2: Billy Woods, I want to thank you for taking the time out to do this. You've been very generous with your time.
0: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Any follow-ups, just let me know. I'll be traveling in the evening so I could even potentially hop on a call.
1: Shining city up on a hill, I burned it like Nebuchadnezzar This world hard to even take its measure Three rooms filled with ink and treasure Still strangled again cause it's now or never It's a freedom in admitting it's not gonna get better Washing your hands of people you know forever I'd be a liar if i feed surprise A goat eats where it's tethered Treat African proverbs like Vegas flyers I float ball the peasants Too clever by half Halftime down 20 I'm not that good at math But common sense, I got plenty It's fucking over In person, these rappers' watches Look tempting to change Say envy, but PTSD Keep me counting, never spending My accounting is a head full of bad memories And sad endings It's all payment pending I'm not concerned with generational wealth, that's its own curse. Anything you want on this cursed earth, probably better off getting it yourself. See what's worth.
2: I wish I could show my appreciation for this podcast. podcast. I wish I could respond to it
1: somehow or be notified in the future when fly fidelity updates because it's so great,
2: but I don't think there's a way I can do any of those things. <laughs> Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts,
1: and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My peoples are you with me where you were!